Good afternoon, Antoine Fabrizio. Come stai? Va bene? Everyone's well. We are all in uh, Neuchâtel right now. Super happy to see you. I'm super happy to see you, gentlemen. I'm very, very honored to have you guys on the Ace List Live. Um, I know our viewers are super excited. We received many, many questions. In the running up to this show, people were saying, oh, we can't wait. Why are Antoine and Fabrizio doing this show together? We have so many questions for them, the both of them. One hour is definitely not enough. So I'm begging you to do another session with us, please, in the near future. Um, so for those viewers that are not that familiar, Antoine is my old friend who comes from Zenit. So we go way back and um, is now the head of watchmaking at Bulgari Manufacture in Neuchâtel. Are you guys in Neuchâtel right now? Yes. yes. Right behind the screen, we have an amazing view on the lake, under the okay. sun. I've been there, I've been there. I had the honor <laughs> to tour all the manufacture sites, so I know what magic you guys create there. And Fabrizio eh, Buonamassa is the uh, head of design at Bulgari. And the funny thing is when I came to visit you guys, you were in Amsterdam, <laughs> so I missed you. And then when I came back, I ran into you while having lunch opposite here at the Conservatorium Hotel. Yeah, so, it's true. <laughs> but uh, we always rendezvous at Basel. Um, gentlemen, please give us a short intro, what you guys do at Bulgari. Then we'll roll into the wrist check to see what you guys are wearing, all three of us. Yeah. Then we do the seven standard DA's list questions. And then I see something magnificent lying on the table. So I want to dive into... Uh, what you guys launched because you launched bombs in Dubai <laughs> at the beginning of the year. And I want to congratulate you on the sixth world record. You guys keep on pushing it. And like the Americans say, home run after home run after home run. And because of you, the phone is nonstop ringing because everybody wants it and you cannot supply. <laughs> so please. Antoine, no, you, you first. You first. So, uh, first of all, buongiorno. It's a great pleasure to be here with you. For us, it's a great opportunity to have uh, the chance to talk with our friends and to our clients. Uh, I joined Bulgari uh, more or less 20 years ago. My first life uh, was in the automotive industry. Uh, I start, uh, let me say that I start my career when I was four or five. I start to make my first sketches about uh, objects, car, watches, uh, chairs, many different things. And after I grow up with the meat of the Italian design, I'm very lucky because I joined uh, the Fiat Group, the Centro Stile in 1998, immediately after my degree thesis. And after three, four years, more or less, I decided to, to change my life, uh, to start to design the second, uh, the other great passion of my life, the watches. And I joined Bulgari in Rome in 2000 and, uh, 2001, 2002, if I remember well. Um, I, met, uh, I met Mr. Paolo Bulgari at my first interview. And uh, immediately we start to discuss about watches and cars and uh, beautiful objects that come from the Italian design history. Uh, after more or less uh, 10 years, I decided to move from Rome to Neuchâtel to stay close to the manufacturing site. 
the idea at those time was to develop uh, the Bulgari product in a completely different way. So I joined the design team, uh, I joined the marketing team and the development team and the manufacturing side here in Neuchâtel to be able to produce uh, the amazing watches that today we have on our, on our desk and even on our wrist. So very proud to be part of the Bulgari family, very proud about uh, this amazing effort uh, to all our business unit. Uh, for sure, you see just the aesthetic of the object. But behind an object, uh, behind the aesthetic of an object, behind the movement, you see the effort of many, many people. Let me say, Antoine, how many people are behind our watches? Okay. Uh, we have uh, 250 people working in Switzerland. Yes, yeah, exactly. So this is the result of 350 people. Uh, so very, very happy to be here with you. I leave the, the, <laughs> the word with Antoine because we have many, many things to, to say and to show you. So I am actually the junior of the team because I joined Bulgari uh, Switzerland <laughs> last year. So I'm a very, very new, even though I'm not so new because I've already had one life at Bulgari. I was the head of uh, Greater China and Australia uh, for, for Bulgari from uh, 2014 until 2017. And uh, beforehand, I've had a long, long life in the watch and jewelry business. I actually started uh, in Neuchâtel. My, my work experience in Neuchâtel, I joined Tag Heuer in the mid-90s. That was the um, glorious years of um, Don't Crack Under Pressure, uh, the partnership with Ayrton Senna. And I guess I was probably more attracted by this crazy sports attitude and, and crazy marketing field than watches themselves. As a, as a young uh, French student, I didn't have this uh, this um, this into my DNA. So it's been a, it's been a, a progressive uh, a, a progressive and developing uh, passion for watches that has gone from that very moment when I went to Switzerland. Um, after some years in Switzerland, I came back to France, uh, worked for Bouchon, uh, and um, even though as I said, well, I, I'm done with Switzerland, uh, I'm back to my old uh, love, beloved Paris. That's the moment when I came back to uh, Switzerland and to Zenith, where we, we met, and that's the time when we met under the, the crazy leadership of Thierry Natap, as you said. And that was very, very interesting at the time because uh, Thierry would bring um, uh, some, would, would instill some um, of his uh, of his creative passion into watches, uh, of and and somewhat educate educate us to pushing the boundaries and the limits. And and God knows he was pushing the limits. Uh, I I then moved out of Switzerland again to England then to Japan, then to China, and I'm back here again in Neuchâtel for the third time. I guess I'll finish my life in Neuchâtel. There's must be, there's a fate, you know. But but uh, there's a worse, there are much worse place uh, to live than, than here, I can tell you. Not only because of the beauty of the landscape uh, in front of us, behind the screen, as I said, there is this uh, amazing chain of the Alps. We see probably 200 kilometers of the, of the mountains in front of us. Uh, from our buildings where we are and that I can tell you is inspiring but as uh, Fabrizio said there is a team of people here who are, who are, who are truly truly passionate you've got uh, people who've joined the company a few months ago people who've been here for 30 years 
but they all share this uh, this passion for watchmaking. They all share this uh, unique perspective on um, on on design, born probably from our Italian DNA, uh, and and this pride that is nurturing us. So uh, you really really face a perfect surrounding to enjoy your work and your life here. So here we are. With our, with our different stories coming from totally different universes and different worlds. I guess there is probably between uh, eight and 10 different nationalities working here. So we are, it's, uh, you, know, you know how Switzerland can be a melting pot and watchmaking is as well. So um, great place, great company uh, to work with. Know, we know we had the honor, uh, my team and I had the honor to visit you guys at least two times. Uh, with clients, um, internal trip with Bulgari. I want to do a shout out to Diana de Barros. She was amazing. Exactly. She's the embodiment of the brand. <laughs> and um, we made uh, manufacturer visit articles for our online Ace magazine. So the viewers can log into our website and see the pictures. So we met the people. It's full of passion. Um, <clears throat> a bit more than the Swiss passion because there's Italian blood in there. Um, so that, that's amazing. And something that I will never forget is the saying, molto non troppo. That's <laughs> I, I want to discuss with you guys later. That stuck with me. I wrote a column about it. I write columns for magazines. And that's something I want to discuss with you guys. And initially, I wasn't happy that I had the both of you in one show. I wanted separate because of the limitation of time. But what you just said, Fabrizio, and that's why I am very happy because we have the two of you. It's the marrying of design with the technicality. Because I know Antoine knows you said as a young boy you were into the marketing part, but you have technical DNA running to your veins and you really understand manufacture business and not marketing mumbo jumbo, but how to produce a watch from scratch. And that's what you do, Fabrizio. You design stuff. And then you kill watchmakers with your ideas. <laughs> so it's a beautiful marriage. So I want to dive into that after the questions, before I forget, because I have an ocean of questions for you. But before we start, uh, we need to check what you guys are wearing today. So please, ah, It's embarrassing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> honestly, we are not so creative because <laughs> we wear exactly the same, uh, the same watch today. <laughs> And it's uh, my my favorite one. Uh, I'm uh, absolutely obsessed. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have the same one. Yeah, no kidding. Same one. You see, we didn't prepare. We didn't no. prepare. Something funny? You want to see something funny? Yeah. I originally mm -hmm. ordered this for myself. Yeah. <laughs> but one of my VIP customers, he must have it. So there's a waiting list for these babies. I want to give a shout out to my uh, brand manager, Christian Soma, who's a Bulgari, who helps me out. Whenever we need a product, he helps me. So this I'm now wearing. So <laughs> this one goes to my VIP customer. I wanted to show you guys. I'm in love. My brother, <laughs> Fabrizio knows I have the titanium one. I love yes. the satin finish. And I'm still saving up for the full gold one. <laughs> I love that. But you guys came out with this, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. So this is stirring a lot of hearts. So I'm putting it back into the safe. So <laughs> congratulations on that. I took out my old baby, 
which is the uh, Velocimo. Ah, Velocissimo. Because, yeah. because you guys are together on the show. Antoine is my original Zenit friend, so El Primero Movement. Yeah. <laughs> you designed it, so it's a marriage, this one. So this reminds me of you guys. So, so that's what I uh, am wearing today. Shall we, we, we need to keep going. So we have a lot to cover today in an hour. So I'll jump into the first question. Antoine, what watch or jewel is your favorite and why? So that's, it's as if you were asking me, which is my favorite of my children? Okay, this is this is a very tricky question and a bad one, and it will, and it will clearly be skewed. So I I made the, the the tricky decision not to pick a Bulgari watch, just because I thought this would be out clearly in the leading category. Um, and and if you put this one aside, my uh, my favorite watch is the uh, Tagoya Monaco. Okay. Because it was uh, because you always bring emotion to your favorite items and and the uh, the, the Tagoya Monaco and the Hoyer Monaco for me was my first introduction to the history of watchmaking, thanks to of course my joining uh, uh, my joining uh, Tagoya at the time, and, and clearly it is a milestone of the industry because of the uh, El Primero movement that was inside, because of the square case that was the first water-resistant case, but also because you see in, in this watch what we're going to talk about in the future, which is this true intricate connection between the design and the function. And probably there is a, a little bit of Italian blood in, in this watch, because of of its unique design and its unique connection to to the movement uh, and and there's a reason why it, it was a milestone in uh, 1961 in 1969 sorry it's because it was bearing those two aspects it was not only a technical technological achievement it was also a design signature something that would clearly stand out and and, and somewhat it paved the way of, of my life and my connection to watchmaking since then that's why it's my favorite. Cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. And yours, Fabrizio? Uh, it's even worse, my answer, <laughs> because you know, all the watches, it's a bit our babies, uh, starting from, uh, from to make sketches on the paper. And after some time, two, three, four, five years, uh, you can wear it on the wrist. So the answer is uh, a bit uh, each time the same, let me say, is the next one, because uh, as you can see today, we wear the Octo Finissimo still uh, on the wrist, uh, but you have to imagine that this watch was in, on my wrist uh, already four years ago. So uh, we are projected in the future and we are still uh, uh, working. We are working today on the, on the product that you're going to see in the next three, four, five years. In terms of design, each time we have a different challenge and we have a different uh, attitude to imagine products. For sure, I have to tell you that the biggest uh, execution of my career in Bulgari are the Serpenti Tubo Gas and the Octo Finissimo. This is my best, uh, I don't know, it, it's difficult to choose just one. If I have to choose one for the ladies and one for men, uh, for sure the Octo Finissimo, the Titanium uh, automatic one and the Serpenti Tubo Gas uh, steel and gold. Because it's to embody two different souls of the brand with exactly the same attitude for design, uh, technology, and different way to wear a piece of jewelry on one side and a piece of grand complication uh, uh, 
mechanical mechanical art on the other side amazing thank you thank you for sharing that gentlemen second question is what did you want to be when you grew up antoine uh, you know so i'm going to unveil a couple of things i mean of course we we, we share those questions and i've been thinking about it and i thought i had to really think back and and um so I'm going to unveil some secret about me. I, I must say that when I was young, I was dreaming of being D'Artagnan. D'Artagnan. Of being D'Artagnan, the three musketeers. Oh, yeah. So that was my dream. Uh, of course, it's very tricky to become a new D'Artagnan today. But, but, um, but I'm sorry, I have to tell you the truth. So that's actually what really came out when I thought, what did I really want to be? I would, I love, actually, I must say, I love the romantic side of this young guy coming from the province and making his own way, but always remaining uh, true to himself, very romantic and, um, and very, uh, you would say in, in, in French, chevaleresque. And, um, and, and, and going through life, I mean, you, there are different series of, uh, actually, there's not only one D'Artagnan, there is uh, then the Vicomte de Bajan, I mean, there are different uh, stories afterwards. So you actually can follow D'Artagnan beyond the, the adventure, you know, until he's a very old man. He was a true, I mean, he was a true, uh, he, he became a French marshal, so he was a true character who really existed in life, and he was a famous general of uh, Louis XIV, actually. Um, but, but there is this kind of nobility in this character that always made me dream when I was a very a little kid. May I you're say something? Now you're going to be known as D'Artagnan. That's so very embarrassing. D'Artagnan has <laughs> become your nickname uh, around the, 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 watch, uh, the watch world. So <laughs> sometimes you always talk about being authentic. No choice. But you are, because what are they famous for? One for all and all for one. Absolutely. How do I know you? Real team player. Oh, yeah. You're very modest and you always facilitate everybody. That's how I know you. I would even say I'm the most modest in the world. jeans, <laughs> <laughs> But okay, let's move quickly to Fabrizio. Fabrizio, please. What for me, I was more in love for the for superheroes when I was young. And uh, that's why, because uh, I start to read uh, comics uh, because I was in love for the for the drawings inside the comics uh, from US. Uh, so Spider-Man, uh, Superman, and Batman was my my hero. But I didn't read the the, the story on the on the comics. Just to have a, uh, just to have a look about uh, the way that uh, these uh, these uh, American artists. Uh, start to make sketches about the body about the environment uh, because you see you know the comics is a sort of uh, film so you can you can read the story through the drawings and this was uh, for me the best the best uh, the best surprise immediately after i start to make sketches and immediately after i say this is my life i'm going to be a designer i would love to be a designer about cars uh, watches chairs furniture sunglasses for me it's the same the idea is to make sketches about uh, something and to to catch the needs of of the clients because you know when you make sketches you the the difference between the designer and an artist is that uh, for in terms of design you have to imagine a product for someone someone has to use your product when you are an artist uh, the the clients have a different way to use 
your product. It's just for the, the pleasure. But in terms of design, you have to use the object. So this was my aim. Honestly, uh, during my career, uh, during my childhood, many, many people ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I say, I, I would love to design something and to draw. My big passion is to, is to make sketches and draw. So a bonus question for you, if I may. Can you be a designer or are you a designer? Can you develop these skills that you master like nobody else? No, uh, Alona, you have to imagine that this kind of, uh, it's, it's not a profession. It's more uh, easy to the word in French uh, is a métier. No, it's, uh, it's not something that you make each day the same things. You have to learn every day because a designer is a mix of different uh, different uh, discipline. You have to be a bit, uh, you have to know the economics a bit. You have to know uh, why the money moves around the world in a certain direction instead of the other. You have to be able to catch the needs and the taste of the markets and the clients. The taste change every two, three months because the money moves around the world. You have to imagine uh, why your brand, the brand that you represent, have to produce a certain product. You have to imagine the evolution of the aesthetics for your brand and for the markets. So as you can see, when you make sketches, is the most, uh, is the less important one. Because the most important one is what you have in mind and what, in which way you are able to imagine something that doesn't exist. Sometimes you make fantastic sketches, fantastic product, but during our meeting we say, this is not the right time for the product uh, now. We have to wait three, four, five years, or maybe we lose our opportunity because we are the last one. I'll tell you something. For 10 years ago, we started to develop a grand complication watches. We spent more or less six years on this movement. At the end of the process, we say, okay, we lost the train. Now we are the last one. I think we don't need to put, uh, we don't have to put this product on the wrist. On the on the market, so this is the design process. It's uh, it's something when you make sketches, it's something that you can see, but behind again you have 250, 300 people that have to work uh, to make this sketch a real a real product. Thank you for sharing that. That's very interesting. And what you said about catching the train, it's very daring to make such a statement because developing such a caliber takes a lot of manpower and money, as you say um and what i want to ask you guys to answer later is why you guys not only always not miss the train you're the front runners exactly push the envelope so hard that 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 i think you're light years ahead you're maybe a decade ahead in design and caliber what i i think many viewers don't know is that bulgari mm -hmm. is really integrated you guys are a real manufacturer all your five facilities in Switzerland are yours. You don't produce for anybody else. I've seen it with my own eyes. And not just movements, cases, bracelets, dials. I've been to the hotelogerie department. I forgot the Irish names guy. He's a lovely guy. Um, I forgot that? the name, but I, I, I love him. He makes the sonneries. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Amazing guy. And, 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 um, and a lot of people don't know that because you guys have so many stories to tell in your storytelling. That that's why one hour now is not enough, and I'm going to shut up. Let's go to question three. No, but Alon, Alon, I'm sorry. I need to jump on what you've just said. Please. Um, 
you, I thank you for mentioning this integration and thank you for mentioning our, our deep anchorage in, in uh, and our, let's say our strong identity as as a Swiss watchmaker. Uh, it takes a lot of time for people to find out those kinds of things because of course, uh, as you rightly said, you need to visit, you need to understand fundamentally what's behind the name and the brand. And there are so many watch brands. How can anyone find out who is really owning the expertise and the, the know-how to develop their own watches and who is buying from outside? Uh, we are extremely proud of what we've done of Bulgari as a Swiss watchmaker. And, uh, and thank you for raising it. It's a major message that we want people to know about. Uh, and uh, the, our legitimacy here is, is, I mean, is clearly super strong, but probably sometimes not so known. It's, 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 um, it's not known because there's a lot of mumbo jumbo in the industry. Yeah. B, you guys have such deep heritage and um, people get stuck at the beautiful designs that are manufacture as well. I mean, Fabrice is the living proof. You come on camera, you design on the spot, you sketch on the spot. It's it's not marketing mumbo jumbo. And, and this is the purpose of the Aceless Live. We wanted to share passion, knowledge, and have fun a bit because that's what it is. And that's what I also had at my three-day visit with you guys. We had a lot of fun day and night because you had a <laughs> schedule. It was a long day, but always fun. And that's also important because what we're selling in the end is joie de vivre. We're selling emotions. Yeah, exactly. La Dolce Vita. Okay, question three. Antoine, who was your role model? So I'm going to be very classic on that one. Uh, my role models are my father and my grandfather. Uh, I've, I've, they are true characters. They are, I mean, uh, they, they are neither D'Artagnan nor superheroes. They are the people I've lived with uh, through my early days, of course, and still today. And uh, they, they share to me things that are the most important. Uh, they are, they're, I've, I've, I've had such respect for the, the, their empathy, their intelligence, and their sense of humor, and their righteousness. They're, they, they, these are the values that I, I am, I am respecting much, and that they've sh they've shown to me uh, through daily life. Not, I mean, there's no movies. There's no. It was their attitude on the day to day, uh, their day to day attitude, their day to day way of being, and this is what I've learned. That is remains a point of reference, and what I'm always uh, relying on to to do my own. Uh, let's say to 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 have my own way in life. That's beautiful. Yeah. Lucky you, and that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. And you, Fabrizio? But for sure, my father and my grandfather, but even uh, many, many uh, Italian designers. As a designer, you know, you have to be open minded. Uh, so I don't have just one model. For sure, in terms of uh, family heritage, my father and my grandfather are very important for me, but uh, even many, many Italian designers that makes uh, the Italian design unique around the world. Please In mention, please Sorry? mention, mention uh, Attila Castiglioni, Mario Bellini, uh, but even a German designer like Dieter Rams, for example, or Raymond Lowe in US, all the designers that makes great innovations, even just a small innovation in one product. And I, today, as a 
German, I need to mention cars in Dutch. What about the famous Mark at BMW in Germany, the Dutchman? Do you love his style? Uh, honestly, I'm a great fan of BMW. Uh, this is my third uh, BMW as a company car. I don't know if uh, it's going to be even the fourth one because uh, the design of the BMW is uh, start to change uh, a bit from my side in terms of taste. Uh, but uh, I think uh, why BMW? Because it's the it's the very close to uh, Alfa Romeo spirit. It's a gentleman sport uh, car. Uh, so it's uh, I love these kind of things. I'm not obsessed by performance. I'm never uh, drive on the track because for me it get boring in uh, two three runs. And uh, I need comfort, design, and uh, a certain performance. So, like Alfa Romeo, BMW is very close to this concept. I like this concept. It's a bit of a Gran Turismo car. You can see that our products are not just obsessed by performance, but even a unique style and unique way to wear it. That's why uh, even the partnership with Maserati, for example, because uh, we have many, many elements in common. Thank you. Question four is uh, for Antoine. If you could teleport tomorrow, where would you go? Ah, if I can teleport tomorrow, I would go to probably I would go to Tokyo. Tokyo, it's yeah. actually a popular destination. We, this is episode uh, eight already, if I'm not mistaken, and Tokyo popped up several times. Um, <laughs> just give me a quick uh, neighborhood, uh, Shinjuku. Uh, where would you go in Tokyo? I've been there uh, a lot as well. Ah, um, that's a tricky question. Uh, where would I go in Tokyo? Uh, probably move from uh, Ueno Park to uh, then to go to uh, the um, Sumo Stadium, spend a day in the sumo, at a Sumo uh, competition, which is something that is probably the most traditional kind of uh, event you could attend. I mean, not that I don't like the no theater, but it's, it's still a bit boring. Sumo has got all these uh, elements of uh, of aesthetics, of reference to the past, of um, traditional, uh, I mean, a sense of tradition that, that is, stands everywhere in Japan, and also extreme aesthetics that you can live there. And, uh, and I, I, I do have memories there that are, that are, I mean, of my life spent there. So, I, but you know what is great with the Tokyo? What you do in Tokyo is you get lost because you, you, are, you're, you can really walk down the streets get to such quieter places, find a little temple, a very tiny temple, and 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 then get back to the real uh, big uh, uh, center places or, uh, and, and super crowded, go to those crazy department stores. There is this kind of diversity uh, in Tokyo and, and, and extreme beauty of modernity. Uh, somebody said it's the most beautiful city of, uh, it's the most beautiful of ugly cities in the world. And, and you do have this very first impression of a, of a huge conglomerate of buildings and, and roads and highways passing over each other. And, and the moment you get lost in this city, uh, you enter a world of, of beauty and, and elegance uh, everywhere and, and, and softness. It looks hard outside and it's super soft inside. So really one of my favorite places in the world. I love the two, and you said it beautifully about uh, the most beautiful, ugly city in the world because obviously it was bombed, so there's not a lot of old Japanese architecture. So besides the beautiful pagodas and the Japanese architecture, I loved, and I love the sky tree, the highest building. But what made an impression on me is actually your building, the Bulgari building. 
which is the Pentium. Wrapping <laughs> during yes, Christmas. Yes, stands out. That's the most beautiful Bulgari building in the world, I think. And you guys have a lot. So, and you, Fabrizio, what's your? Uh, where would you teleport? Uh, let me say, in Europe, uh, I'm very attached to London. Mm. It's uh, one of my favorite cities around the world because you can see the heritage and you can see even the modernity. Mm. Uh, you can find all what you want in London. Uh, I'm looking for each time uh, objects uh, and uh, things very difficult to find. Paris is another city very interesting for me because, again, you see the modernity and you see the amazing heritage. In Asia, for sure, Tokyo because you have five, six cities in one city. And I'm, I'm, I like and I love the obsession that the Japanese have for details. They are absolutely obsessed for details. And I love this kind of aesthetics and this kind of culture, even if it's not so easy for an European to completely understand. But the, the, the city gives you amazing opportunity in terms of creativity, in terms of inspirations, uh, is a completely another world. And they live in isolation for many, many centuries, so they are still um, unique. Mm. But they are open to diversity and they are open to the, the rest of the world. So these kind of things, uh, I love the salty and the sweet of the different culture. As you can see, London, uh, Paris, uh, Tokyo, completely different world. But for me, it's very important when you can feel the story and when you can see the modernity and the contemporary. Interesting. It's a beautiful metaphor of the salt and the sweet. Now that we all three love Japan and Tokyo, Bulgari is an Uber brand. It's a super brand worldwide, wherever yeah. you go. Uh, obviously, it's mythical in Italy, then Europe. I know the US love Bulgari, Middle East of Bulgari. But in Japan, it's more. <laughs> what is it that? Why do the Japanese love it so much? Do they understand the forward thinking that you guys do? Obviously, in quality, they love quality, but and that's linked to the Swiss culture. I think Japanese and Swiss are with the Germans the most precise. But why do they love it so much? I you think, in, I think, Alon, uh, Antoine, after if you want to add something, I think it's the Italianity. Mm. Mm. I think the completely different way to do things. Uh, so mm. the Octo Pinissimo is the perfect example, but even the Serpenti to Bogas, mm. nobody can imagine that the gas pipe could become a luxury icons, honestly. So maybe is uh, you have the perception that when we make our job, we have fun. And uh, maybe this is the secret. Japanese loves Europeans' cultures, but the Italian culture is absolutely unique. Mm. And uh, maybe Bulgari is the best uh, vehicle to, to, to show our cultures for Japanese. I, I don't know, but I think it's a, it's a completely different way of thinking. We, have, uh, we make a lot of passion, a lot of fun in our products. And um, could be, it's a, a historical, a very important market in terms, of, uh, in terms of sales for our brand. Historical importance. Yeah, I fully agree. There is a, a quest for aesthetics, uh, a, a quest for the art of living yeah. that uh, is really shared. I would also say, I mean, there is, you, if you look at the passion of uh, Japanese for uh, French cuisine, mm. it's, it's a bit similar. There is a, there is a, in, in both in Italy, in France, in, and in Japan, there is a sense, 
a real, a huge respect for tradition, for mm -hmm. history, but also a quest for, uh, for, for modern ways of expressing this, this historic basis. And, and, and they're basically, so Japanese people really understand deeply the, um, the, 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 the what, what is driving uh, Bulgari in their designs. Their, the, the connection works. Clearly, there is a match. And, and there's an affinity, a natural affinity, that you will see actually in many, not only in Japan, but in other countries with a very long history. Yeah. We see this kind of affinity with the Chinese people as well. This, this relation to time and to history that, that comes everywhere all the time. Uh, in, in with different interpretation. I mean, there are much less uh, old buildings in China for for you know for the, its its recent history and and what the, the country has gone through. But there is still a, a deep deep pride and passion for for the the long history of, of the of of China, and and therefore connection with civilizations that are. Old, I mean, several uh, millenaries old, and, and and that's why you do, you do sort of as if they were somewhat sharing lots of values with us from this past history. Yeah, interesting, very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Our fifth question is: uh, What book you gentlemen are currently reading, Antoine? Uh, I finished the one I want to talk about, but it was really uh, I really enjoyed that's it. No three musketeers. No, the three musketeers. This one is. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's. I can't say I'm currently reading it. Um, no, I. I've read a book that's called Factfulness by Hans Rolling. So Hans Rolling is a, is actually a, a, is a Swedish doctor who turned into uh, demographics, and um, and is 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 become a, a super famous uh, TED talker actually. And I really invite you to go and see his TED talks. He's amazing. And, uh, and a famous, a very famous uh, teacher in economics and demographics. Uh, ba basically, his, his, his book is about bringing back the reality of long-term trends against the influence of short-term events. And, 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 his, and his mention is really, is, is the, the, the fundamental philosophy that he's bringing is don't look at short-term events go into long-term trends and long-term trends tell you the world has never been that good today and actually whatever you may think of today's events and the negative information you're receiving on a daily basis in reality the trends that we see over the past decades and centuries tell us the world is the best place to live in today and this is what is important and it's really making you see the glass half full rather than the glass half empty. And it's really bases all this, and it's very much against this notion of, um, of fake news and, and, and somewhat distortion of the information. Uh, probably uh, 50 pages out of the books are related to uh, the notes, I mean, are, are the sources uh, and the statistics and demographic statistics coming from all sorts of news. So it's extremely grounded, and it basically tells you the world has never been so educated, has never lived so long, has never been so rich as a whole, and not just a minority of people. 
And probably there are still things, that it, the fact that the world is not perfect or is sometimes bad doesn't mean it's not getting better. And I very much loved first the fact that it was emphasizing the quest for facts and data rather than uh, s uh, sort of uh, fake sources or self sources. And secondly, sorry for the live two phones. Um, and the second point was really the op the optimistic or the optimistic realistic approach to the reality of today's world. And, and I really, I encourage you to go and have a look at the TED talks or read this book. It's uh, extraordinarily strong and uh, and insightful. Thank you for sharing. Interesting, Fabrizio. I'm I'm attracted by the biography, the story of the people, uh, often uh, often with a strong link with the industry. Yeah. So my last book was the biography of uh, Marchionne, the CEO of the FCA. And now I'm reading the story of Soichiro Honda, the founder of the motor companies. Yeah. Uh, I often read book about the people that create, uh, starting from a, a simple idea, they were able to create a company. Uh, it's something that fascinates me because I, I'm inside this industrial uh, design world. So often I read, uh, during for many, many years, I read the story about coach builders and uh, Italian designers. But this is something that interests me a lot. Good, interesting. Thank you. Sixth question. What do you gentlemen think is going to be the color of next year? The blue. <laughs> the, the perfect blue with the, with the satiné soleil finishing is the color of 2024, 22, 23, 24. <laughs> so as you can see, now you cannot see we, the trousers of Antoine. Antoine, even in blue, my always in blue, we, we, we wear a blue watch. So <laughs> definitely is the blue. So on a serious note, you guys were very early with green. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, honestly, alone. Coming in, it was in 2019. Coming now, you guys have Malachi dials already. Yeah, 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 yeah. Malachi dials. We use feathers. Uh, yes, but you know, Bulgari is the master of colored gemstones. This is a, a question about trends. Uh, from my point of view, uh, the trends are something that happens today. So if you start to uh, look at the trends now you are in delay in the future. Uh, the trend is something that, from my point of view, you have to read and you have to take it out. It has to be in your brain, but doesn't have to um, influence your design and your ideas more than the, the right uh, percentage. Uh, the Octo Finissimo is the results. Uh, maybe it's a success, maybe it's a different from all our all other uh, ultra-thin execution because we didn't get uh, any any answer from uh, from test or from trends. I think this was the clever idea, the right idea, and we go ahead with this approach. Uh, the color for the 2021, if you see the trends, you have all the colors. You have a warm and cold colors. Uh, we love to play with the colors of our heritage, so the green, the red, the blue, uh, emeralds, malachite, rubies, sapphire, gold, uh, so we don't have a specific uh, specific color. Tutti we frutti. love to play with all the colors uh, that represent Bulgaria. Tutti frutti. 
Tutti i frutti, but with the right uh, execution. Ma non troppo. Ma non troppo, exactly. Uh, Anton, you want to add something or do we jump to the seventh question? Let's jump to the seventh question. He said it all. All right. I already said Fabrizio was in Amsterdam and uh, I, I trust that Antoine has been in Amsterdam. What has been... You've, been? you've invited me to Amsterdam. For sure, for sure. That's you guys always that's have an open invitation. Always. No, no, but that's the moment when I actually went to Amsterdam. And, and for, I mean, as I told you, yeah, I, since I actually moved out of Europe for quite a long time, I didn't have the time yet to take my, my children to Amsterdam. So I need to come back. What my memory of uh, of the place is basically is a, is a bit obvious as well, but it's uh, it's it's a, the one of those cities like Tokyo where you enjoy walking around. Yeah. Uh, you you walking by the canals and, and you see people. Have, um, what I like with Amsterdam and and, and some of those uh, sort of northern cities is the fact that people manage to have a very balanced life. You see that work life and, and, and daily life and family life are very intricate without uh, one of those elements tearing the rest apart. Uh, and there is a real balance in, in, in that you feel in the city that is probably a model that we'll see more and more in other cities where when you, when you listen to, uh, to the, the visions of uh, political leaders these days about their own cities, they probably tend to, uh, to th they may not know about Amsterdam, but probably what they're projecting is uh, the, this, this, this kind of, uh, of, um, of place that is given back to the people and for, for their own uh, pleasure of uh, crossing the, the streets, of, uh, of enjoying their times in the streets. So um, probably for me, it's, uh, it's sort of a model city of the 21st century. Uh, we'll see, but that's, that's my memory of it. Very strong memory of that. Beautiful compliment. I'm going to send this video to the mayor of Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fabrizio, what, 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 what stands out in your memories of Amsterdam? It's a, it's a fantastic city in terms of architectures, yes. in terms of uh, hearts that you have, impressive museum, all the history that you have about uh, Van Gogh. It was, uh, for me, I was twice in, uh, in Amsterdam. The first time uh, I met you in the fantastic hotel, it was an amazing surprise. And the second one, it was to visit the Van Gogh Museum. So it's uh, honestly, it's one of the city in Northern Europe that I love. Um, unfortunately, I don't have uh, so many times, so many chance to spend time in, in Amsterdam, but it's, uh, it's really unique, let me say in terms of architectural elements, in terms of arts, in terms of way of living, uh, very interesting. It's funny, you know, Fabrizio, that um, you mentioned Van Gogh because you're a very contemporary and modern designer, although you do beautiful Baroque styles, which I just showed on your Instagram. My dear friend, Laura Bichego, she's the designer and owner of Nanis Jewelry. She also loves Van Gogh. Every time she visits me, she comes at least once a year. Yeah, for sure. The Van Gogh is literally across. I look mm -hmm. out of my window and I see the Van Gogh. She loves yeah. it. You guys love the Van Gogh. It's funny. Because Van Gogh was modern. Yeah. It was, uh, was a different uh, kind of painting. It was very straight to the point without any decorative elements, with a different way to play with the colors. 
like uh, no one uh, before him. But so, you know, when he moved from Holland, it was very yeah. dark. The more yeah. south he lived in Europe, yeah. he became more colorful. So I think yeah. that says also a lot about you guys. Um, we're, we're really, I'm talking too much and we're all enjoying the chat and talking too much. I just want to say something that I forgot at the beginning of the show. For our viewers and listeners on the podcast, because afterwards we're going to host this as a podcast, please shoot in your questions. We already, they're streaming in the questions and I already know we can't answer them all in this session, but Fabrizio has a surprise for us. Though that person that asks the best question will receive afterwards a personalized drawing by Fabrizio that he will make later. It's proof that he really makes everything. So <laughs> shoot him in and uh, we will uh, afterwards send it to you personally. Um, so keep, uh, keep your questions going. Maybe we'll answer them later in writing or we'll literally plan another session dedicated to these questions. I am really, really excited for you to present me those beauties at the table in front of you. We have, you have so many bombardic. I want to see the Gerald Genta jumping hour. I love the smallest turbio in the world for ladies. Let's not forget the ladies. Huh? We are three men, but you guys make amazing ladies watches. We have the world record, the sixth world record. Uh, the steel one we talked about. I want to talk about bringing back the aluminium, which is epic in the 90s. So, gentlemen, the floor is yours. Go ahead, then. You're the father. Uh, I'm the father, but <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not the mother. <laughs> uh, starting from the lady side, uh, we are very proud about this product. Alon, we start to develop the Serpenti Seduttori four years ago, and uh, the smallest tool beyond that we are able to find on the market today for us is a great, uh, great achievement. Uh, after three years uh, to develop this movement, uh, we have. Uh, a different way to wear a Serpenti watch for the first time on our assortment. After 50 years, uh, again, we have a mechanical movement on Serpenti. So it's a very, very important achievement for us after the amazing effort on the Finissimo uh, to tell to the entire world that we are one of the most uh, interesting uh, uh, manufacturing side in the watchmaking industry. We're going back on the ladies. And uh, like uh, the first uh, Serpenti watch in the 50s was uh, a watch with a mechanical movement, today again we have uh, a mechanical movement uh, in the Serpenti execution. So for the first time a full pavé version with a deployant buckle, uh, let me say with a common bracelet uh, with the adjustable link. The bracelet is super soft on the wrist, uh, super ergonomics. Uh, and body, uh, the style, the Bulgari style, the passion for a pure geometry. And as you can see, the watch is uh, entirely covered by, by diamonds. It's beautiful. Uh, on the Octo Finissimo, we are very proud to introduce uh, our uh, biggest novelties uh, this year in terms of grand complication. We are talking about uh, the thinness to be on again on the world, 3.5 millimeter with the chronograph function. Uh, more than three years to develop this watch. We start to develop the watch uh, on, uh, on the same time of the chronograph, uh, the automatic one. Unfortunately for us, it was impossible to use uh, same components. So we have just the same concept uh, on the about uh, 
the rotor. So even on this watch, we use the peripheric rotor. Uh, this is a see-through movement, uh, so uh, with the different barrels, uh, with the tourbillon cage, with the mono-push uh, activation. Uh, so at 2 o'clock, we have start, stop, and reset. It was impossible to use the same components from the chronograph, the automatic chronograph. So we developed the two chronographs in parallel. And uh, the watch is, uh, let me say, one of the most uh, incredible one in the Finissimo Saga. So the movement is absolutely fantastic in terms of design. All the levers, all the finishing are uh, are made from scratch just for this movement. Yeah, it's amazing. And just just a, a few comments about the way, I mean, uh, probably starting to answer your initial question. Um, one of the uh, most enjoyable moments that, uh, that I've happened to uh, to experience uh, since I've joined is the moments when the teams sit together. Uh, and, um, and when you actually see the interaction and the exchange between uh, Fabrizio and, and the studio on one hand, but also the uh, constructors uh, from the movements and also the developers from, of the cases and elements, as well as the marketing team, all together around the table to talk about uh, product development and product development doesn't mean only the finishing and the case and the design, but also the movement. And and it's a beautiful moment to see the interaction when you really talk about the initial idea of the movement. So we have regular meetings about our what I would call our R&D plan, which is very much those sessions about the movement development. And this R&D plan, plan is a four to five years long plan. Okay, because you are driving many projects in parallel. Some are moving faster than others. Some are facing challenges and hurdles at some point, which blocks them. And, and we tend to reallocate resources to uh, different developments. As uh, Fabrizio rightly said, sometimes we're too late. Sometimes we're, we're entering into a, a technical cul-de-sac. So we have to step to to return, review, et cetera. So this plan is a constantly rolling and moving plan. But what is amazing is those moments when those very early discussions between Fabrizio and the constructors about the functionality, the design of the product. And probably this is very much one of the signature uh, of, of, of uh, Bulgari today and one of the benefits of being fully, fully integrated from day one, from scratch. Um, the, 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 the aesthetics and the, 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 the design philosophy gets intertwined with the functionality very, very early. Uh, and, and therefore, uh, there is an aesthetic perspective at the very beginning. And this is a legitimate one. I mean, as much as Fabrizio can be a pain in the neck, and I'm being polite, when it comes <laughs> to design, is also... He also has a massive, massive understanding and, and knowledge and deep knowledge of watchmaking. Therefore, what he asks is completely making sense and is totally understood by the constructors. And, and therefore, when he says no, it's also understood. And this dialogue is extremely rich because it starts very early. And there is a, a journey in the development that leads to those to those creations. It's this is not looking good at the end because because it went well. It's looking good from the very beginning, because it's the way it's being thought, and and to me this is the signature of the Italian designer on watchmaking. 
this is this notion that no, no, it's not true that function create design. Design and function are intertwined from day one. And that is really the Italian culture from the Quattrocento, Cinquecento, from the Middle Ages, uh, painters, sculptors, uh, drawers were actually part of the, uh, the uh, uh, artisans' guilds. They were not on a side functionality of developing houses, buildings, uh, cannons, etc., etc. They were fully integrated in the function, in the development of, of functionalities and technical elements. That's 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 basically the 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 the, the big question in design. The three Fs. Form follows function. I think 95 to 99% of the Swiss industry follows that because they're guided yeah. by the calibers. They can't design what they want. If somebody says the second subdial needs to go left, and I already tell consumers who are learning watchmaking, I said, just look at the second hands on the Finissimo. You know it's manufacture because they kicked it to eight o'clock just because of that. That's a simple little thing. And no, but that's 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 the beauty. So uh, that's amazing. And I wanted to show the viewers because you guys went very quickly over this. But we need to imagine how mind blowing it is. I think it took you guys six or no seven or eight years to do six world records, correct? Almost every year. Look at this picture. The first one was the automatic, which we are all wearing and love. You did a tourbillon. You did a minute repeater, a flying tourbillon the chronograph GMT, and Fabrizio just said, you guys produced in parallel two calibers, which is very rare, very difficult, very expensive and time consuming. And what I love is the platinum peripheral rotor, because if yeah. you look at the backside that we just saw, it looks like a hand wound watch, but you guys created on the outer rim of the watch, a weight that's 360 degrees, Partly is hollow, partly is a platinum weight, correct? Yeah. And that spins around in the thinnest chronograph flying turbio. So <laughs> it's mind-boggling. And 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 when I tell people this, they, they can't grasp it. So I sit them down. I said, here, have a coffee. Just think about it. No computers, man-made. They need to think of this, design it, and then make it. And only 235 people, which is not a... For this, not a big team. It's a lot of people, a lot of souls. But really, congratulations. It's 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 amazing. And nobody, I think, can do what you guys are doing. And what I love is you guys have a long-term strategy. It's your philosophy. It's your vision. It's your strategy. And nothing will take you off course. You guys talk about a train. You guys put down the rail tracks. You decided where you're going. And you keep on going. So that's amazing. And... Yeah. We have literally one minute and 15 seconds till the <laughs> result. I know you guys are very busy. Should we leave it at this or should we going? One of the questions that came in is something you guys get probably asked every single day. Is the seventh one coming? If you can't answer, I already know the answer because you guys are on a train and I think you have another 10 in the pipeline. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? You put the answer in your question. Um, as I previously said, we have a we have a plan for the next four, five, six years. Some some things could happen, some things could not happen. 
And clearly, we when we develop our movements and we develop our calibers, we, as I said beforehand, we face obstacles until, and this is because we're checking. Uh, we're not only looking to deliver the the the, the most performing piece in one category. We we want to make sure that the horological performance is up to the level as well. And for that, we need to go through all the controls, all the all the checks that that are really safety checks that are absolutely imperative in our, in, our, in our world. So there are always obstacles, but you can imagine that in the five-year plan, there are some developments that are connected to world records. So we could answer your question very precisely, but then we would have uh, to kill you and all the people will listen to us. So that would be maybe too many. So we are not going to precisely answer your question, but basically just Come in, uh, come to uh, next year's watch events that we're all looking forward to, and um, and we hope to really bring you some interesting uh, surprises. Let me put it this way. Thank you, Thank you for answering that. I'm so <laughs> can we do a few more minutes because I really want to see the gel Genta jumping hour, and uh, I don't want to discount the stunning aluminiums. Could we do that briefly? Uh, I'm, I'm leaving the product descriptions to Fabrizio, especially this one. Uh, Fabrizio has a, has a passion for Gérard Genta and a huge respect. So uh, this one was probably, he will not necessarily say it, but was somewhat probably a challenge because to actually uh, pay tribute to somebody so strong as Gérard Genta, there's always an extra pressure from a designer. I want to uh, maybe do a quick intro uh, for those, all the watch freaks know who Gérard Genta is. And legendary designer. I had the honor to meet him in person as well. Um, I even dare to say that Fabrizio is the modern day uh, 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 Gerald Genta equivalent. <laughs> I'm even there being that bold to say that. And the question I have for you, how is it for you to have the honor to work with his heritage? Uh, it's, uh, it's a big responsibility to, yeah. to re do re-editions of what he did because a lot of people don't know, but he designed the Bulgari Bulgari watch. He was in charge to develop the watch. So with the with with the Gianni Bulgari, uh, Gianni Bulgari and Gerald Genta developed the Bulgari Bulgari watch uh, in the '74. Um, at those times, Gerald Genta was a supplier. He has his own company, so he was able to develop uh, watches for many different brands. And Bulgari asked to Gerald Genta to develop the creativity and the idea behind the Bulgari Bulgari watch. So Gianni Bulgari and Gerald Genta together developed the, the Bulgari Bulgari watch. Uh, for us, it's exactly this. It's a great responsibility for me. I started to work on the Gerald Genta creation when I joined Bulgari. So when you have to play with the Octo, with the Gerald Genta logo, when you have to play with the arena with the general Genta logo for sure is a great responsibility and on i'm honest with you i'm not uh, obsessed to put my signature in a general Genta watch uh, the arena was exactly the same watch completely re-engineered uh, the watch that we presented last year for me the arena is an almost uh, perfect case i'm not obliged to change uh, just to change uh, during the geneva event last year was a great success and we decided to, to again make the Gerald Genta Arena case. So starting from the, the platinum one with the blue dial, after one year and many, many requests, we decided to uh, 
uh, enlarge the arena collection with the 43 millimeters uh, uh, titanium arena biretro sport. And the, the sketch that you can see is just to make the right proportion, just to find the right proportion on the arena case. So we completely redesign uh, the lugs, we completely redesign uh, the bezel, the crown holder and the crown. But today we have exactly the same, uh, let me say exactly the same watch. Gerald Genta loves to play with colors, in particular red and yellow. The first release of this dial, the first trials was made with a black dial and white hands and white figures. I say the dial is great, but it's a bit boring. We have to add a bit of color, so I immediately discussed with Antoine. We make the sketches and the drawings, and we approve the design of the dial on the paper. And uh, this is the way that we have to, to imagine our watches. You see the case from the side with this coin case. Again, on this watch, we redesign completely the lugs to have the best uh, comfort as possible. Uh, we redesigned the dial with the different layers. And uh, as you can see, the movement is our base caliber with our B retrograde module. Is it the BBR uh, one? Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a watch that I love. I love to wear this watch because it's fun. It's uh, an amazing heritage, absolutely unique. And the 43 millimeter uh, is the perfect size for a sport, uh, for this kind of design as a sport execution. I love it. Another, sorry? I love it. Congratulations. It's amazing. And and and, and us as uh, old school uh, gel gentle lovers are super happy you guys brought it back last year. And I'm super happy that it's part of Bulgaria because it's a fun story. Uh, Mr. Genta, uh, at a certain point, he was always a freelance designer of watches. He started his own brand. He was good friends with uh, the Taze of the Hourglass of Singapore. Michael Taze, a friend of mine. Uh, they were good friends. At a certain point, they owned and helped him with the brand. They were good friends with the, the, the Bulgari family as well. At a certain point, you guys integrated it. And um, it's, it's, it's a triangle of, of I think, uh, synergy. And that's beautiful. And and you guys put it a bit in the freezer, but I'm super happy you posted it again. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Another sport watch with a completely different uh, attitude is the aluminum. Yes. So uh, during the lockdown, during the, the, the COVID period, we decided to make it again because we have many, we received many, many requests about loyal clients that would love to wear again aluminum and even younger clients. Uh, so, Alon, I'm honest with you again, we redesigned the watch from scratch, starting from a white piece of paper, because, you know, during those times, in the 90s, uh, we don't use uh, computer-aided design, so we, the technical drawings of the watch were made by hand, uh, and today we use just uh, electronic device. Mm -hmm. We completely redesign and re-engineer the watch from scratch. I'm sorry, I need to interrupt. It's not that he redesigned it. He said what, what Fabrizio <laughs> said. I tried to bring some hints of design here and said, why don't we make it thicker? Why don't we reduce the bezel? And basically, the answer of Fabrizio was systematically no. So, <laughs> and I seriously, we've had the meetings. And, and the answer was no for a very good reason. And, and, and the reason why I love to work with him, and I'm sorry, I'm going to. Uh, uh, please uh, don't uh, don't be shy about what I'm going to say. But uh, 
there is a, a sense of what is right and what is true with real designers. And, and, and Fabrizio has this. And, and basically Fabrizio said, we have an icon. Don't kill an icon, by, an icon by trying to make it better or different. An icon is an icon, it's a milestone. It's got, there is, there is in design, it's, you know, somebody said it, the luxury is the expression of the end of God. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, there, is, there is something that you can't master and control in, in, in luxury. So when it's wine, it's vintage. Some vintages are good, some are bad. In design, there's success and there's failure. And here, when there's, there's success, there is, it's like art. There is an expression of something that is beyond human nature. And if you try to control, master this expression that goes beyond, that you can call genius, you can call whatever, end of God, whichever the name you give, you, saw, you actually kill this moment, this place, this unique moment in time when, when genius appeared. And, and what Fabrizio said was, don't play, don't play with God. Don't play with whatever you call it. Again, don't play with genius. Respect it. And, and I give him tribute for, yes, forcing us. Of course, we had to redesign it. You don't design a watch today the way you designed it 20 years ago. But actually, forcing us to fully redesigning it, to fully reconstructing it, to bringing it as much of Swiss DNA we could today, while fully respecting the initial creation. And that clearly is amazing in here. It is amazing. It is amazing. Congratulations. Job well done. We indeed have <laughs> fun. I love the colored peak, the P-E-E-K versions. And that sparked even more requests for the aluminum. Uh, what's fun about aluminum, which I love, is the wear and tear on it. It's relatively a soft material, but like the bronze trend, each owner has his own watch because it responds to acidity, uh, yeah. etc. And with aluminum, that's what I love. So we still service these original aluminum. People bring them in for maintenance. And it's lovely to see that the rubber also bits, but this, the links are so well made that even 20 years down the line, you still can wear them. They don't disintegrate. The wear and tear is very slow. So awesome. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Alan. Amazing. Congratulations on all the novelties. Uh, gentlemen, shall we leave it at that or should I pick a few questions out? Uh, <laughs> can, we, can we, Alan, can we propose that we have um, one more session dedicated to Q&A? Okay. I, would I would be honored. I think our, our viewers will be disappointed now, but if we promise them, we know you guys deliver on your promise. So let's do that. I want to thank you so, so, so much for the time, for the passion, for the knowledge. Um, the next episode, I know you guys are going to love because it's a fellow designer, Lita Asher, of the also very famous Royal Asher Diamond Company. We had her brother on the show earlier. But Fabrizio, I know, loves designers, so she's a lady designer. Um, for the time being, all the viewers are also welcome to visit us to see all the novelties. We don't have them all in. You guys obviously had some difficulties during these lockdowns uh, to keep the production up. But again, thank you so much. And uh, we'll pencil down a new date and publish it on the acelist.com. We'll confirm a date to you no later than today or tomorrow. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay. And merci. Merci, Anne. Bye-bye.
Grazie, ciao. Ciao, ciao, ciao. grazie.